0: I was at the arcade with Bobby the other day, and on the uh, DDR machine, there was someone named like Don or something at the very top of the scoreboard, like an insane score. And Bobby's like, I wonder where that guy is right now. And I said, he's probably somewhere drowning in poo. <laughs> 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 And remember, this podcast is not safe for work, so listen with headphones.
1: Hello, and welcome to Freudian Sips,
0: the podcast about brains, beverages,
1: and other BS. I'm Bonnie. And I'm Anna. And it's great to have you with us again,
0: sipsters. Hello, hello. Hello, hello. I do feel like we have some new people. <gasps> our numbers are a little higher than usual. Yay. So hello. If you're new, welcome, welcome to the family.
1: To the Sipster family. My
0: mom is your mom now. <laughs> My mom is your mom too.
1: I have many children. <laughs> I like being your mom.
0: But yeah, welcome.
1: I don't know if that's always appropriate, however, because maybe some of our sipsters out there don't need me to be like their mom. So I could be like their friend. <laughs> Their buddy? I could be their buddy. Yeah.
0: Okay. I she could be, be your buddy.
1: Yeah. That's what you need. You get
0: to decide what <laughs> mom is.
1: <laughs> and then you can either be like their sister or their buddy. <laughs> their buddy. You could be a buddy. You could be their daughter. I don't know. Sure. I'll be your daughter. This conversation actually fits in with what we're talking about. A today. little bit. We'll we'll get there eventually. <laughs> A
0: little bit. It'll so we have sense. any pre-roll stuff that sure. you need to talk about? I mean, about? just since we do have some new people, I want to kind of put at the front instead of the back where we usually put it, that we have, I guess, just policy now. Where if you <laughs> review us, uh, uh-huh. and we actually just got a new review, thank you to the person who reviewed us on Facebook, we will be sending you our sticker. Um, Yay. That, yeah, if you review us and then send us an email at freudiansipspod at gmail.com with just a picture of the review and basically like, here's my address and I reviewed you, mm-hmm. then we will send you a sticker because we love to reward people who review us. Right, right. And also buy our merch. We have merch. It's pretty cool. Merch. Merch, merch, merch. If you go to FreudianSipsPod.com, there's a merch link. It's real easy to buy the coziest sweaters you've ever bought. And it's cozy sweater time.
2: It
1: is. Where we are, it's very cold right now. So those those very fuzzy fuzzy time. hoodies are good right now. Yeah. Yeah. That's all I've got. That's it? What you got. Okay. That's all I got. I'm feeling kind of laid back today. Kind of. Hmm. It's a nap day. It is a nap day. When it gets this cold, I just start to go, I'm done.
0: Yeah gotta bundle up gotta take a nap
1: have a little hot chocolate read a book get all snuggly in my <laughs> little hoodie that have says three Freud cats answers. on top
0: of you oh yeah
1: my cats help yeah
0: uh-huh. so it cat is cat episode help. 40 mom I, feels like that's a milestone
1: it is <laughs> and it said anything with an o in it anything
0: with an o <laughs> yep any multiple any ten any
1: o's <laughs> are something to celebrate Take it does feel like it's been like. a
0: while since episode 30.
1: It does. <laughs> no, I don't even remember 20. I don't, I don't know either. Those were the days back when we were young.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> back in the good old days. <laughs> uh. So what are we talking about
2: today? Well, today
1: we're actually going to do another episode that was a uh, suggestion from one of our sipsters. Today, our recommendation, our suggestion is from John, which by the way, I mean, I know that we're recording a podcast on a certain day and then you might be listening to this podcast, I don't know, a year, two years later, I don't know.
0: Well, if you listen to it a year later, that still applies. Well. (laughs) You're so smart, Ida. <laughs>
1: oh, why I <laughs>
0: This
2: is why I, I have her
0: sit all the way across the table from me. That's so right. She can't smack me.
1: My point is that today's John's birthday, so it seems Yay, appropriate. Yeah, happy you birthday, know. John.
0: Yeah. We won't be releasing it on your birthday, but, no, but
1: happy we're recording birthday. it. Yeah, we're recording it on your birthday, so that has to count for something. Yeah. So he suggested that we talk about transference.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is an interesting one, because I feel like the topics we usually talk about are pretty wide topics and we just look at them from a psychology lens Uh there have been a few that have been specific psychology like especially like the theorists and stuff that we talk about Mm -hmm. but most of them we try to make pretty applicable this one is we're still going to try to make it applicable but it's it's a pretty specific psychology thing Mm -hmm. like in therapy psychology thing. in therapy
1: but we'll get back around to that. How we can indeed actually do in our lives have transference, even if we never go to counseling. Right. We may have experience and probably have without experienced, knowing it. Yeah. Right. Right. In some way, in some experience in our life, have experienced transference. Can
0: you say experience one more time? I Harley? would like
1: to experience this, this, episode. this episode about <laughs> transference. <laughs> This is a bad combination because I'm feeling a little lollygaggy and Anna's feeling sassy.
0: I am always feeling sassy.
1: I know. So it's hard on me. It's hard on me to be
0: My mom, sassy. say it. Say it.
1: <laughs> I would never say that, my love. Okay. So, transference. Where do we begin? How about if we begin in the history? Yeah. Anna I mean, banana. first I want
0: to give kind of a general definition of what transference is. Okay. Is that all right? Please do. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Transference is basically when a person unconsciously redirects their feelings toward a certain person over to another person. Okay. That is the bare bones definition. Mm-hmm. I, I heard it described somewhere as people displace unresolved conflicts, dependencies, and aggressions onto others. Ah. And this usually deals with feelings about a primary childhood relationship, but not necessarily. I mean, it could be an ex-partner. It could be like a boss you've had. It could be anyone significant in your past. Right. The way we're going to talk about it, it usually has to do with like parental figures, mm-hmm. but not necessarily.
1: Always makes me nervous when you say parental figures in that tone
0: and look you right in the eye. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I'm talking about you.
0: <laughs> parental figures, parental wink, wink. figures, wink, wink. 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 sipsters. Do you know what I mean? Wink. <laughs> <laughs> It's a lot like the Freudian concept of projection, which I feel like a lot of people would understand a bit more Mm because projection has kind of become into the cultural lexicon. So we know projection is when we don't like something about ourselves and we project that onto someone else. Mm -hmm. This is like that, except instead of projecting our own beef with ourselves, we project our beef with someone else onto a third party. That's a very good way to say it. Thanks. Good job, Anna. Thanks. I was up real late trying to do all this. definition. (laughs) I was like falling asleep on the couch. At one point, I leaned over to Nathan and I was like, I, I'm just going to make this up. I People made it up before me. That's how we have it. Someone made it up. I can just make it up. And he's like, no, that's not, not how, how it works. works. Yeah. You did say that. Now I, can, I
1: can hear him saying that.
0: So let's get into the history. Let's talk about the history. History.
1: We should have a jingle for that. You made a jingle. I don't know where it. Was it a dun-da-da-da-dun-da-dun? Or was that something different? No, that was that do it clean. dun da 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 dun da da dun da 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 dun How's that?
0: Very good. That was amazingly good. so good. That is the history theme. All right. I love it. I'm going to put it in every single time. <laughs> I think the reason I didn't was because it wasn't a clean enough recording last uh, time, but this that was I primo. I don't know. So uh, so from now on. From now on. We should start that. to have sound effects. <laughs> okay, but you're going to have to make them, <laughs> all, to make them. <laughs> them all up. you got to be our Foley artist. <laughs> from that last
1: episode when I made that weird <laughs> whooping sound in the middle yeah. of my speech. I don't know, dude.
0: So transference actually does begin with our boy Sigmund Freud mm mm-hmm. uh, The first time the concept of transference was brought up was from Sigmund Freud in one of his early works. But to give a context to that, I actually need to go back even farther to mesmerism. <gasps> mesmerism. Episode number 16. Gosh, Anna, you're really good at that. Thanks. I mean, I read it down beforehand now. <laughs> I used to be able to just know, but... Now we're getting a few Your girl too can't many. keep 40 episodes in her head. <laughs>
1: You could. You just have other things to do.
0: I have other things. I know. I have all these song lyrics clogging up my brain. But episode 16 is when we talk specifically about hypnotism and mesmerism. So listen to that if you want a more in-depth history. But very quickly, in the late 1700s and early 1800s, a guy named Franz Mesmer thought the universe was filled with a fine fluid. that's, sorry that's sorry gonna, mesmer didn't mean yeah. to laugh at you dude. oh you can it's <laughs> he's dead i'm it's laughing fine. with you mesmer no I'm not you're laughing not at you uh. <laughs> This includes fluid within us, and that this fluid could become mm. imbalanced and cause disease. Oh. But that the fluid could be manipulated with magnetism. hmm That's the basic. And if you think that sounds buck wild, <laughs> go listen to 16. It gets weirder. Uh-huh. Uh So, yeah. Go. It's, it's weird stuff. But that's the basics. And Freud and his mentors were involved in... What was first mesmerism and then hypnotism. Uh So Freud was involved with hypnotism when he first started his clinical work, basically. So back to Freud. Freud and his mentors were into hypnotism, and his work in hypnosis involved work with quote-unquote hysteria. Uh Uh-huh. That's big for him. There's a lot of yikes to that term, (laughs) but we're not here to unpack that. just know that hysteria is not a thing that for that freud <laughs> and thought it, is it was a trigger word for anna yeah, just for i don't reference. like it It's stupid. very it's stupid okay but the first use of the term transference came from freud's 1895 book studies on hysteria
2: mm-hmm.
0: the first case in this book uh, Freud was treating Frau Emmy von N, which is a uh, pseudonym, but we know how well that worked out for Anna O. O. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know who Frau Emmy actually was, but he was treating Frau Emmy with hypnosis, and for some reason, he was prescribing her to take cool baths as part of the treatment. Mm. That sounds like a cool. Self care thing? Self care wasn't big then. I yeah. don't know why he was doing and this. And a cool
1: bath could not be real terribly comfortable unless it's real hot outside. I
0: guess not. I mean,
1: on a normal day, a cool bath would not be pleasant, I, I would think.
0: But she didn't like it. Well, she, yeah. She okay. said that doing it made her depressed. Oh. So Freud was like, no, it's her who's wrong. And he found Get in out the
1: cold tub. basically
0: like, no, he did a hypnotism session where he convinced her that when she came out of the hypnosis, she would suggest to him that she should take a cool bath. That sounds a little manipulative. That segment, creeps me buddy. out a lot. Yeah. yeah. So she did, but she still thought it was depressing to uh-huh. do it. So mm-hmm. he's like, oh, well, it's not just me she doesn't like or whatever. Uh, but he found out that she was actually depressed when she was taking these baths because she was worrying about her brother, who was going through a scandal at the time. What does that have to do with the bath? I don't I don't know. It weirds me out that she... I think the bigger <laughs> problem is she was thinking about her brother, brother in, in a the bath. bath. <laughs> I agree. I agree. I'm uncomfortable.
1: There's so many things about this.
0: But Freud's theory was that she was attributing the depression to... The bass because she wanted to like scapegoat Freud because he was giving her advice on doing it. Uh, Ah, that's a big, big logical leap. There, there. there's yeah, there's a lot of assuming going on here. But Freud called this a false connection or a (laughs) mesalliance. In
1: French. That's Anna speaking in French. Mes amis. Mes amis. Mes
2: amis. Bonjour. <laughs>
0: ouais. <laughs> Comment vas-tu?
2: What's <laughs> oh, What's that mean? <laughs> <laughs> That's my French. What does that's it no? as a real
1: phrase. What does
0: it mean? I think it means you how took are French. you. That sounds like como yeah.
1: com And com como t'allez-vous? is your, is what is your name? I think something name? like that. I sure. don't know. Ask your husband. <laughs> goes, he would know that.
0: We can ask Nathan, I guess. But this word that I'm saying very <laughs> the strangely, real the real word. No, that's the real word. I'm yeah. saying it right. That was exactly the correct pronunciation. <laughs> but it's spelled like M E S and then alliance. Ah. So MES means wrong, so like wrong alliance. Oh, okay, yeah. So false connection. The connection part here is basically in thoughts and feelings. Not, I mean, it it translates to the relationships between people, but there's a a bad connection between thoughts and feelings and that the symptom could be treated by finding the root of the false connection, like the underlying cause of it. Mm -hmm. He said that patients often attributed the cause to their therapist's advice because
2: oh. it was
0: someone outside who was giving them advice. Right. And he said this was common in uh, patient's behavior, so that these false connections informed how people acted, basically, mm-hmm. especially toward each other, and especially in the therapy context. And over time, the transference theory evolved. This is from his book, An Outline on Psychoanalysis. On the contrary, the patient sees in him the return, the reincarnation, of some important figure out of his childhood or past, and consequently transfers onto him, him being the therapist, uh-huh. feelings and reactions which undoubtedly applied to this prototype. Mm-hmm. Which I think is a good way to say it the prototype mm-hmm. the kind of mm-hmm. wording. And transference became pretty critical to the whole theory of psychoanalysis. It's actually one of the main things that Freud worked with, is working right. patients through their transference. Uh, Freud said that the analyst could use this transference to get to the root of issues, to use the transference as a way to bring unconscious desires and those prototypes into the conscious mind, which mm-hmm. was one of the biggest. things Because that's that the
1: Freud big thing. That, yeah, that's his big his big shtick. Right. He's bringing what's in our subconscious to the conscious mind.
0: Right. And one of that, those ways is calling attention to the way you're treating your therapist based on the right. false connection that you have mm-hmm. as a as a side note for our boy freud this is a quote sigmund freud held that transference plays a large role in homosexuality in the ego and the id he claimed that eroticism between males can be an outcome of a psychically non-economic hostility which is unconsciously subverted into love and sexual attraction so freud had some things I don't even know how to unpack that. Freud? I'm just sitting here going, I'm not even going to unpack it. No, we're not gonna even going to try. And, go. and actually, I do have him in notes. We're not, not going to unpack that. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, that see, is just a side I'm note. Just a side note. We are because trying not to unpack things boy, things that. That's our boy, Freud. need to unpack.
1: <laughs> that's for another episode. Basically.
0: So I'm going to switch into uh, talking about Carl Jung, who we have also talked about uh-huh. in episode four and gosh that was a long time ago it was a really long time it was one of our first ones Mm -hmm. uh if you want to hear more about freud and his things he's episode one Mm -hmm. he was the first because we we had to start with him we had to start with freud but carl Jung wrote what one source called a very strange book (laughs) which we know he wrote several of yes uh but this particular strange book was called the psychology of the transference and the book used i'm not joking alchemical symbols To explain the transference process. Wow. Yeah, I think that's kind of neat. I think it's very out of the box. And I think it kind of describes, like, first of all, how Carl's brain worked, which Mm -hmm. was unique. Mm -hmm. But also just in a way that people can kind of conceptualize things differently. And the different things we use to try to remember things and try to understand things. I mean, if that's kind of what he was into and that made him understand it better, sure. Why not?
1: Yeah. I think that's a good side note that we're just... We talk about that a lot, that everybody's brain processes slightly differently. Even, right. you know, people that are very similar to each other. We all, we're all we just so different.
0: That's true. And, I mean, al- alchemy fits. Yeah, it kind of does, actually. I mean, it's changing things into other things. Right. So, yeah, I, I can see it. Sure. Good job, Carl. <laughs> Yay, Carl. I'm really proud of you, our big nerdy boy. But his basic idea was that in the transference interaction, both people... In the dyad, he called it, which is just two people. That's uh-huh. what dyad means. Experience strong emotions. So on both sides of the transference interaction, both people are experiencing strong emotions. Okay. And that the tension of these conflicting emotions is enough to cause growth and transformation. Huh. So it's okay. the tension between the conflict that causes the growth. Okay. That is. Those are kind of some of the big names. So again, we're
1: reminded that conflict is is not negative no. unto itself and quite often especially in therapy a feeling of conflict going on and being resolved that's a it's a it's, it's a good thing said it's a growth thing right. so we tend to many of us tend to, to avoid conflict at all costs but sometimes that's not the best thing sometimes we need to to get into if it. i had a
0: dollar for every time a client said to me well i just don't like conflict yeah then i would have enough to ball them into a little ball <laughs> and throw it at their face <laughs> uh. <laughs> I always 100%. say well you're not going to like me.
1: <laughs> I I can't picture you as a
0: I'm confrontational.
1: Well yeah, okay, I can picture you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, okay, I, never can. mind. You just reminded me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: she Confront, holds my feet to the fire. Confront my the time. confrontationalness. <laughs> so those those are kind of the big that's where it started. Okay. And it has evolved over the years into I mean, I think Mainly, it was used in psychoanalysis. Mm-hmm. But we know it's still a thing now that happens. It's right. just not like the key to anyone's theory, kind of like Freud was using right. it.
1: So there are probably some therapists who still who still attend to it very consciously, that they realize it's a thing and they use it, but not not very often.
0: So not as much as Sigmund did.
1: Right. So it goes on and it's happening there. And we always talk on Freudian Sips about being self-aware. That's kind of our shtick. So a big part of this is being aware of that transference that's happening. And we're going to stick for just a minute with the idea of a therapeutic relationship. So between a counselor and their clients. So let's just talk kind of for a minute, if we can, about like different types. Can we do that? Okay. So... <laughs> yes, Gee, it's confrontational. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> is there something you need to transfer onto me, Anna?
0: <laughs> I feel Some like if anger? I'm going to transfer, it's going to be stuff from you onto. <laughs> I was going to say I got to go
1: find somebody for you to do it to because it's about me, probably.
0: <laughs> Overall,
1: like generally speaking, you can look at transference as being positive or negative, or sexualized. Kind of the three. <laughs> I don't know why we separate in its own them. Category. Which could be positive. It could be negative. <laughs> uh, it could be both at the same mm-hmm, time. But more specifically, let's start with the whole idea of paternal transference. So paternal obviously has to do with your dad, has to do with your father. When Daddy
0: issues fall into this That's category. exactly
1: right. And so again, right now we're talking about... In therapy, in just a little bit, we'll talk about outside of therapy. Um, but paternal transference is perhaps you're dealing with your counselor and they somehow remind you of your dad. Yeah. Or just in general, kind of an authority thing. And you you might feel that tension with any specifically male authority figure mm-hmm. that you come into contact with, that you have that, that feeling that it could be that you are feeling those feelings of being I don't know, made to feel bad about yourself. Yeah. Anna, do you want to address any of these things about
0: <laughs> paternal No, I'm just dissociating a little bit I see here. that, you going no, into your world. I No, I was thinking that I think a lot of that is assuming right off the bat because I think very few therapists would be in like a punitive role. Right. But people can go into that expecting that.
2: That's very true.
0: And that that's not necessarily what the therapist is doing. It's just the right. person's own preconceived notions.
2: Right.
1: And yeah, I'll circle back around to that because there's there's also maternal transference. Here you go.
0: So obviously, uh, I think if, in fairness, I think if I'm going to do transference, <laughs> it's going to be paternal more than maternal. I think so too. Okay, <laughs> let's use our golf
1: voices our for golf that.
0: Voices. I hit that one right in the hole, in the good hole. You use the
1: big stick the, to I hit I the that. Big
0: stick. To, no, I use the tiny one to
1: hit that <laughs> right in the good hole.
0: I'm so uncomfortable. Okay. You started it. Uh, I know I did.
1: I should never do that. So quite often a maternal transference, you know, what I was reading was that it's a, it views someone as being nurturing and loving. But I also know there's a lot of people yeah, who have mommy issues with bad moms. Yeah. So that kind of transference. There's sibling transference which is exactly what it sounds like, that somehow that person reminds you of one of your siblings. And again, it could be positive or negative. If your sibling was like a peer to you, obviously, and gave you good support, then it's going to be a positive one. A lot of us have some sibling stuff, you know, where Mm -hmm. we did not get along or continue to not get along with siblings. Right i'm glad that you're not one of those people anna
0: i'm not my brother's actually here we're making him wait downstairs while we do this he's
1: in the waiting room he's (laughs) in
0: the waiting room my husband's babysitting him
1: (laughs) we might have to pull him in before we end we'll have to see so you can hear his lovely voice it's good to know that he's here and i'm very close to my brothers too so Mm -hmm. i i don't see any of that
0: but again you could be positively transferring
1: absolutely absolutely there have been a lot of people in my life not a counselor kind of person but just in general life speaking i think we're gonna to have to kind of do that yeah. automatically who i sometimes feel very close to right away because they do remind yeah. me of a brother yeah yeah I feel that right away and um, your brothers
0: are very different so i feel like that covers a wide gamut that's of people. really
1: true that's really true okay so a non-familial transference can be seen In just about anybody, so like maybe you've had, like Anna said earlier, it could be a boss that you had or a teacher that you had. I feel like
0: it's usually going to be someone who was in a an authoritative role over you. I agree. In some way, I agree. We can always l- also look at this, like, even if a person
1: hasn't had a lot of influence in our life personally, but what I'm thinking about is kind of like stereotyping people where you think that all ministers should be holy, all yeah. policemen are going to be whatever you think. They're going to be strict and come and get you. You know, you kind of stereotype that it's kind of a transference of a of an ideal or an idea of a person. You're squinting at me. I was Onto thinking about every individual Young, person. actually. Ah.
0: Because a lot of Carl Young's, and I didn't want to go too far into this because I didn't know how deep we wanted to get into uh-huh. Carl, uh, but one of Carl Young's big things was archetypes. And again, mm-hmm. you can listen to episode four for more information on what an archetype is, but it's basically like, I mean, prototype is a good word for that too. It's like a, it's like an, like a general idea mm-hmm. of a type of person. Exactly. And that he sort of related transference to that in the stuff that he was talking about that our experiences with people transfer into archetypes that we like project on people. That's exactly right. Carl got one exactly right. You
1: he, hear that, Carl? You know, I think sometimes he gets a lot right. But he just he's got kind good. of those wacky things on the side that they're make just you go, like
0: mm. they're just like five degrees offset. Yeah.
1: Exactly. But I think that sipsters if you're right now if you think about how you have those kind of people in your life that you like if I say policeman Depending on your life experience, you get a certain picture in your mind yeah. of what a policeman is like.
0: Yeah, I'm willing to bet this is going to be an episode where, especially if you haven't heard of this concept before, you're going to listen to this and be like, oh, like you're mm-hmm. going to think of someone. Mm-hmm. I think it's something that people have experienced mm-hmm. and they just don't know what it is.
1: Exactly. And sometimes you meet somebody. Well, that'll be later. OK.
0: <laughs> put a pin in there. I'm
1: trying. I'm trying. Oh, yeah, put a pin in that. I wanna talk about that stuff. So okay. Um so the last kind of transference on my little list of different types is again back to the sexualized. They like really want to make sure we get that but, one. But wait, in there. that's
0: like one of the three types and also and one, one of the of other the, types. Exactly. Because oh, it's like,
1: you know, it's about sex, Anna. So yeah. We gotta <laughs> sex, talk about
0: it. Sex sells, so we gotta put it twice in our <laughs> definition
1: sex thing rules um, <laughs> society. So yeah. <laughs> I thought
0: you weren't gonna add that
1: extra. <laughs> Sex rules. (laughs) Moving on. (laughs) Just a personal opinion. This is one that we kind of probably have seen in movies or heard in stories. If we take it just for the ideal of within a therapeutic relationship. And that's that idea of for transference for a client falling in love or being attracted to their counselor.
0: The worst trope in movies. Mm. The worst trope where there's therapy thing happening and it
1: happens a lot in movies and shows and yeah
0: it's very common it's, it's much more common in media i feel like i have to sing this or else I i'll think get too you upset should, <laughs> i think you should say that
1: i mean i think sing it
0: some more i, mean, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anyone wants that hit it anna hit it that's really common thing in movies where people fall in love with their therapist and then the therapist returns the love exactly and that's, that's super unethical happen. and it's terrible <laughs> and it doesn't happen right
1: very rarely happens and I think that's that we can defend our profession profession in that way that that we talked about me. that
0: a little bit you weren't here you ditched me <laughs> uh, but during the roundtable uh, the bonus episode that we just ah. uploaded we talked about that we touched on that trope a little bit. And how bad it is. <laughs> we were all very upset. So, but if
1: you just look at it in itself and not not kind of think about those other outside, like it's really overdone in media. Right. For just a moment to think about, it does kind of make sense for certain personality types that it, within therapy, if they feel like the person who is their counselor becomes very Like, they open themselves up. Both men and women open themselves up. I mean, especially
0: in therapy contexts, I've actually... (laughs) I had this happen to me in college before I was a therapist, but I kind of put it in this category where I was basically acting as a therapist to someone. Mm -hmm. I was giving them the kind of support a therapist would give. Just in a friendship
2: role. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. And they admitted feelings to me. Mm -hmm. And I basically had to say, like, you're not... I, I don't think this is actual feelings. I think this is you not used to being vulnerable with someone exactly. and suddenly being vulnerable in a way you haven't been previously right
1: because when we make ourselves that vulnerable to anyone yeah it opens up all it's of those intimacy. feels yeah it, exactly yeah you, you are more intimate with your therapist and than some maybe, people are with anyone exactly and so then our our brains are like what is this feeling right this? I don't know how to love you. Oh, that thing.
0: Thinking, <laughs> what is this feeling? So oh, sudden this, and new. We, there we go. We've From got all Wicked. and
1: songs. Yeah. But that actually makes perfect sense. Yeah. That a client starts to feel that way.
0: Yeah. Sorry. excuse Mom's me. Mom's got the burps. She's taking like three drinks of her beer. <clears and> throat> throat> my, my pumpkin
1: beer. Burps. beer. Uh, pumpkin burps. That's disgusting.
0: <laughs> <laughs> do, do you like beer burps? <laughs> do you like pumpkin burps? Do you like both? <laughs> how about both? That's... Oh, awful.
1: Um, So there's this idea that you do have these feelings toward your therapist. The issue comes in in what we see in those movies, when the therapist encourages it or responds, Mm -hmm. which Mm -hmm. is a whole different thing, which I'll shift to in just a second. But I want to kind of put that to the side that it's not that it's bad, you know, that you have those feelings. It's not bad to
0: experience it. It's bad of your therapist who is in a power role, basically. Takes Absolutely. advantage of that. Absolutely. So
1: I think I'll shift for just a minute to countertransference because there's a good place to do that. So countertransference uh is basically the reverse and and that is that a therapist, a counselor feels a way. Away toward their client because feels some type of way. Some type of way, because of their own life experience. So so that same we could go with this moment of of the client being sexually attracted to the to the counselor. And the counselor having countertransference also. Boy, that would be a bad combination if you were both feeling that at the same time. Big yikes, yeah. Yeah. But it could also be, you know, a counselor is sitting there and has a client come in who really reminds them of their father or their mother or their brother or an ex-lover.
0: Or like a, I don't know if this is transference. I I think, yeah, it's just kind of different types combined. Mm -hmm. But I was just talking to mom, actually, about how I have a hard time dealing with divorced couples Mm -hmm. especially ones that are a little bit mean like a little bit to each other mean snappy to each other where where there's a lot of a lot of conflict a lot of tension i mean Mm -hmm. divorced couples you're gonna have tension but a certain type of tension i have a really hard time separating from my own life experiences Uh so it's really hard for me to step back and say like okay is what i'm feeling toward like this parent in the relationship because of my own stuff or because of how they're acting or because mm-hmm. of what's going on or am I picking up on the kids' stuff? Like what's happening? It's right. hard for me to separate those things out.
1: And that is something that therapists have to do all the time. Oh yeah. That when we're with a client and we're having certain emotions and we have to question our own biases and Yeah. What you know, what's happening here and why am I feeling this and what does it mean? And
0: we constantly talk about self awareness because therapists constantly have to be self aware. Absolutely. Like, we have to know what's going on with us, or we can't help someone else with their own stuff. That's really important. Yeah.
1: Really, really important. So that countertransference is something that is something, as we just said, that therapists need to be aware of in their own profession and need to have a handle on. And... Um,
0: <laughs> mom's making I'm, hand motions. I'm, I'm trying to figure out which mom's direction that little thing. like you, uh, know. you know where people are holding those batons those, and the planes they're the trying to get the plane land to, she's over doing here. that to me with her fingers
1: I want to throw this back out and then I, I hope we're going to come around to some other things that I still want to talk about but not directly See, that made no sense at all. That's why I was trying to do hand signals. Um, Oh, those made
0: a lot more sense. Yeah, I was
1: following those a lot better. If y'all could have seen my hand signals, you know exactly what the hell I'm talking about. Okay. (laughs) We talked about that not very many counselors these days. These days. (laughs) These days. These days. Pumpkin beer is a powerful elixir. (laughs) I know. My little cheeks are all hot. It's like.
0: I'm like, I can't, it can't be the alcohol. It's got to be, I'm um, having some, it's kind me. Of, some kind of thing going on. She's tapping, she's tapping her head. I'm doing, she's doing tapping on herself. Okay, let it go, let it go.
1: <laughs> there is such a thing called transference focus therapy, TF. P. That's just
0: that's just psychoanalysis. A rose by any other uh-huh. name. But it's like relatively new. It's uh, someone going, it's been long enough since <laughs> it's Freud. We, no gonna one's going to know, is. right? No <laughs> one's going to notice.
1: It's exactly what it is. But it's used uh, especially for clients who have borderline personality. That's like where it's targeted.
0: We already have a thing for that. Oh, We're
1: having this too then. All right, fine. So transference-focused therapy, which if you read about it, it's exactly what you just said, Anna. It's completely not only is it <laughs> completely Freud ripped off. redone, but it's basically what you do in everyday humanistic talk therapy right. where you try to help a person talk through why they're acting the way they're acting and why is it is it because of something from their childhood? Is it because of something that happened last week? Is it, you know, so
0: People just love acronyms. Right. Like counselors love acronyms. We got
1: a lot of them, baby. Because TFP is one of the treatments for B P-D, borderline personality, (laughs) it starts to make my lips feel
0: numb. (laughs) (laughs) So,
1: So we've kind of been focusing on just the idea of transference within therapy, but actually it's kind of part of everyday life all the time,
0: right? Sure. We are already going there. You don't have more? No, I think I'm done. What's body-centered countertransference? Body...
1: uh, Oh, that's when you feel somebody else, like, really feel somebody's feelings.
0: Body? <laughs> like what they're physically feeling. Oh, that's countertransference? Do you want to go there? You had it in your notes. I didn't know if you wanted to talk about it. Oh, I had not in my notes? Holy crap. <laughs> <laughs> you gave it to me in the, in the outline. In the
1: original, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I
0: it's, can see your notes.
1: Is it body countertransference?
0: Body-centered countertransference. Right.
1: That is a kind of therapy that's specifically trying. It's a step further where you, you do it on purpose. You try to understand what your client is dealing with, even physically. Isn't that just empathy? That's exactly what, what? it is. That's probably why I didn't put why it in my Why is there a word for that? That's probably why I didn't put it in my new notes, because that's exactly what it is.
0: <laughs> you, like, it's, read more about it, and you're like, it's oh, again. Yeah, it's, again, exactly what we do.
1: We just don't put big names on it. Yeah. You you feel what you're, but there was a footnote to it that some therapists get too caught up in it, and that's why it's a negative countertransference sometimes that they get so caught up in it that they have a hard time, they get enmeshed with their client. Right. They have a hard time separating themselves from that. So it's kind of a, mm, it, nah. it came with big, don't go there kind of <laughs> signs.
0: Big stop signs. Yeah. On either side of it.
1: That's probably why I left it off my second All right. notes.
0: All right. I'm sorry. I Thanks for calling me to task, Anna Marie. Disregarded the stop signs. It was like I saw a, police, a little police line, like do not cross, and I was like, <laughs> I can't read.
1: I should have put more tape up. This sign won't stop me
0: because I can't read. And then I ducked under it.
1: I'm going to come back around and join you in the Are you? next part. Okay. I just kind of feel I like. I was
0: wondering if you had your pins to take out, but they need to wait. She's looking, up, she's looking up in the air I was like looking that's at where my her pins, pins are.
1: <laughs> that's where you put it, right up there. <laughs> put up put a pins. pin in it. No, I'll come back to it, I think, when right. you're talking. I mean, basically... You'll want me to shut up once you start talking, because I'll just keep jumping in.
0: No, please don't. Please don't shut up. Please jump in. So basically, okay. outside of the therapy context, transference can also happen. I would say it's more likely to happen outside of therapy. In therapy, we name it, and we claim it, and we use it. Right. But... Outside of therapy, it also happens because we deal with people outside of therapy. Right. Um, it's just less likely to be resolved. <laughs> so, yeah, I just thought, here I go jumping in. Okay.
1: That idea that in therapy, and this is something that most therapists do, we call it dealing with the here and now. That right. when you're with a client and you're starting to see some of this, like, they're getting mad at me. I'm talking to them about something, all of a sudden they're getting really pissed off at me. Like, angry with like me. Like what's going on? What's happening right. here? Right. And that's exactly. That's when you deal with that in the moment. And that's how we deal with transference within yeah. therapy. We we call it out. We say, what is this? Let's, let's, uh, you know, process why you're having these emotions toward me right now. Right. And kind of use it as, a, and that's how it is a positive. We use it as a way for them to kind of scoop out whatever's down there. And as much as I sometimes hate to agree with Freud, <laughs> there, there is that subconscious stuff that we aren't really aware of till we scoop it out and look at it and then go oh yeah that is part of me right and then we become self-aware which is the which is what we like
0: yeah we approve of that we do yeah. but the reason I think especially it happens in therapy contexts and especially in Freud's day was that in psychoanalysis the thought was that the analyst the the therapist we would call a therapist but uh-huh. they called it the analyst right. Because he wanted the word anal in there because of <laughs> reasons. That was, that was one of his favorite <laughs> uh, words. Yeah, he really <laughs> liked that word. But psychoanalysts <laughs> thought that it was important to be a blank slate Yeah, and not reveal anything about themselves. And that's kind of a chicken or the argument because I don't know if they started to do that before they realized how important transference was to their theory. Like, I don't know if they started being a blank slate more when they were like, oh, if we're a blank slate, they They will will transfer transfer. on us
1: more. Yeah, I think that that had a lot to do with it, actually.
0: So it happened more often than because they kind of put up situations for right. it to happen. They created kind of a, a condition for it to happen. That
1: kind of goes back to what you said before, that most therapists aren't buttheads like that. When we were talking about something, you said most therapists aren't that right. way. But I think, as you say, those the analysts, they purposefully were a certain way yeah. to try to bring about that transference. Right, right. To call it out.
0: So it made it easier for the patients to project right. things onto them.
1: But that's weird. But yeah, okay. It's weird.
0: And I think we do it less, especially our theory, humanist, is Mm -hmm. part of the biggest thing is authenticity. Exactly. And so that includes us being authentic with our clients. So I think, I don't know about you, mom. I think you probably do this as much as I do. I mean, I, I let them know who I am. Yep. I let them know there's art in my office that very is very reflective of me. I, I let them know like what kind of jokes I think are fun. Like, you know, I, I let them know my, a little bit of my personality. Right. I don't let them know all the big dark things in my past or anything, but I do let them know who I am kind of at my core. So I think it's a bit harder for that to happen unless who I am reminds yes, what, them of exactly, someone. Exactly, if that's the trigger. Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, I think it's a bit less general. Like mm-hmm. the psychoanalyst kind of made it. But I don't think it's impossible. But it can happen in everyday life too. It can happen with basically anyone we meet because it's kind of a way to form snap judgments about people almost, like you were saying, kind of the archetypes that we have about exactly. people. So if we notice something in someone that reminds us of a person from our past, we almost automatically put this new person in the same category as that other person mm-hmm. that maybe. We don't, uh, certainly not consciously, we don't say, they're just like my dad. Right. You know, they're they are just like my brother. We'll be like, oh, they're that type of person. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think that's something we do a lot. Like, just like, oh, Absolutely. I know their type, you know. Yeah. So we kind of, but the Judge, reason we have. a book by its cover. Yeah. But the reason we have those types mm-hmm. is because of past experiences. right? So this is normal. And to some extent, it's okay to do. I mean, that's how we learn things. Right. We learn things by having experiences and Mm -hmm. then carrying those experiences forward. And us as humans, we are set to see patterns. Right. So we're set to learn things about behavior based on who we've interacted with and then use that as pattern information to predict how people will act toward us in the future. Mm -hmm. Now that sucks if the people that we've interacted with are bad. Like, if we've had those bad interactions and we're able to take that forward and go, oh, if a person acts like this to me, they are going to do this to me. Right. Or then they're going to do this other thing to me, too.
1: Well, so- and don't you run into that with some of your clients who have been through a lot of trauma where it's like they don't trust anybody. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because everybody's going to betray them. Everybody's going to hurt them. I
0: mean, I've also run into people who have a therapist archetype in their head.
1: Oh, God, yes. Who's like, I've absolutely. been I've been through a lot of therapy yeah. and they all suck. I, I
0: know what you basically. do. Yeah. I know what you're about. And I'm like, you don't. You don't know what I'm about. You don't know me. (laughs) Yeah, you don't know me. You don't know me. It it gets unhealthy, I mean, especially outside of therapy, when we start putting characteristics on people without really knowing them. Right. Because that's not fair to them. I mean, like, if if we meet someone and we're like, geez, my new boss is is so demanding. They're just like my old boss or they're just like my mother or they're just like my... (laughs) My father, because I can't choose a parent here without my mom giving me a look. It's a weird episode to do with my mom.
1: It's okay, baby. It's but we're basically
0: okay. like, oh, if they're acting like this, they're so demanding. They must be just like my old boss right, or right. whatever. I mean, we we kind of automatically, it's kind of like halo effecty, but not really. We've kind of talked about halo yes. effect in another one where if a person displays a certain characteristic, we're more likely to attribute other characteristics to them. Right. So it's it's generally like if it's a positive characteristic, we'll attribute other positive things to them. And mm-hmm. then the opposite way as well. But this is more based in what we know from experience, not just general positive or negative characteristics.
1: Exactly. And you might notice this in your own life. What I was thinking was there are triggers that make us go into that mode where we put somebody in a category. You know, like somebody will do something that triggers us to be like, oh. That's just like what dad used to do. Yeah. Oh man. I was just thinking as as I was having that thought about how we have a trigger was years ago I there was a, a woman that I played guitar with like at mass we played together and and we got along great. We were really good friends. Yeah. Everything was cool. And one particular mass we were playing and she was going too fast like it was you know the people weren't able to stay with us and so I started to kind of tap my foot to try to get her attention to slow down a little bit and oh my gosh she would have thought I don't even know. You
0: punched her in the face. Exactly.
1: (laughs) She literally, in the middle of the song, she stopped playing and just stood there and looked at me. And I finished the song. And for the rest of the mass, she was pissed at me. Oh, my God. So afterwards, I was like. That sucks
0: to happen in the middle of a mass where you can't address it. (laughs) And it was a mass like
1: where there were little kids. So it was
0: kind of like, okay, can't be like, let's hash this out. Yeah.
1: But after mass, and by the end of mass, she was very emotional, too. She was just kind of distraught. And I was like, because we were good friends. I was like, what is going on? And she just kind of started crying. She said, "I'm really sorry that happened." And then she told me about her dad and how her dad used to, when she would was learning a musical instrument because she was very musical, he would sit there and tap his foot real hard. Oh no! And like that was when she knew that she wasn't doing it right when he started tapping his foot. Right. So in that moment, I mean, that's more. I guess that's almost more like PTSD. I was going to say anxiety yeah. trigger. Yeah. But, you know, we might experience something with a person that they do or say. It can even be like the way they smell or, again, that's like a PTSD I mean, well,
0: again, that goes just into awareness of your triggers. Right,
1: right, exactly.
0: Like, which we've talked about several times on the show. Just being aware of the things that set you off for whatever reason they set you off.
1: Exactly. but yeah
0: i mean i think that kind of
1: went far afield there sorry about that no
0: i think i think this is one of those concepts that plays into a lot of other concepts Mm. because i think that things like ptsd and anxiety can have this element of counter-transference because we're placing things from our past experiences onto current present experiences and specifically people i mean i think we we do that often
1: right I think that a time the transference is very hurtful to us in our everyday life is when we take past relationships and do our current relationship with a significant other.
0: Yeah, which is very common. Uh-huh. I mean, we go into relationships with expectations. Mm-hmm. And we think that our partner has expectations about us. Right. Which we do have expectations about people, but usually we are bringing forward what we've already experienced mm-hmm. as an expectation. I mean, we can do that with ex-partners, but that's another thing where parent comes into play. Absolutely. That... If we grew up in a certain household with certain expectations, we carry those into romantic relationships as well.
1: Right. I've had multiple people, though, in couples counseling where one or the other in a couple will say, you know, just just the other night when a young man said, she thinks that I'm going to cheat and I have never cheated on anybody. And then she said, but I've had people cheat on me. But he's real frustrated because he doesn't have any reason. You know, it's not fair. It's not fair. But that's a transference thing where she's projecting, kind of, but not about herself, but about her ex-lovers that he's going to do the same thing they did. Right. So in that way, in a relationship, that transference can be damaging, really damaging. damaging. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I mean, I think in general, the way it damages relationships is because it's assuming. Right. And you know what they say about assuming, Mom? I do. Did I teach you that when you were little? (laughs) (laughs) That it makes an ass out of us. Ass out of you and me, baby. (laughs) Like I said, it's assigning characteristics to a person. And it's really unfair to that person because they could be totally different than that assumption makes them out to be.
1: Exactly. And
0: we really owe it to the new person to give them a fair shake Mm -hmm. and to get to know them a little bit before we make that call about them. I mean, that could be totally not who they are. And if we're just putting that forward from a thing we've already experienced, we could be misjudging them really mm-hmm. harshly. Like, yeah, maybe there are going to be people that we get to know and we decide we don't like. That happens.
1: Exactly. But we
0: need to get to know them first <laughs> and then say, oh, I don't like you for these reasons <laughs> that are actually I for you. I sure don't like you. <laughs> right. <laughs> if you want a very extreme example of how it ruins relationships, you'll hate, you'll hate this. Uh, high-profile serial killers have often been found to be transferring unresolved rage toward a person to their victims, like Ted Bundy killing brunettes that reminded him of his mom. Mm -hmm. So, like, don't do that. That's an extreme. That's an extreme of ruining relationships. (laughs) But, But just in general, I mean, if we take forward, if we put, especially if it's something that we are angry about, Right. I mean, like, it's one thing to be like, oh, I didn't really care for that person and now I'm kind of projecting them onto you. Mm -hmm. It's a different thing if it's like, I really hated, like, my grandfather and you remind me of him and so I'm going to treat, like, garbage i mean it's different if it's a lot of built-up rage and a lot of built-up unresolved emotions Mm -hmm. and stuff like that like that is stuff that we really need to be aware of and we really need to work on in ourselves transference is a huge thing in violent crime so there's often a a type right Right. exactly
1: or you know people who do serial crime right often from a transference thing right that's scary
0: so leading into that is how we work on transference, how yes. we deal with it. Mm-hmm. Did you talk about that for therapy specifically?
1: Not really, except that we that we talk, we process it and we, we talk figure it. it. Yeah, we as you kind of said, we name it and we claim it. Yeah. But like in everyday
0: life. I mean, I guess the first the same step. Thing, yeah, yeah, it's it <laughs> probably looks pretty similar. The first step is figuring out if you need to work through it. Mm -hmm. I mean, really, if it's just you, you're maybe making assumptions about people, you're maybe judging them a little quickly, like, Mm -hmm. okay, be aware of that. Know you're doing it. But if it's a more serious case of transference, if it's someone, like I said, that you do have really negative emotions about, then yeah, that's going to be something that you maybe need to work with them specifically. Right. Or you need to just work on yourself a lot. Mm -hmm. But to be aware that that's what it is and that it's a pretty normal thing. Like we've been saying, like... Almost everyone has experienced transference, even if they didn't know that's what it was. Exactly. I think there is a certain amount of power in being able to say this is a normal thing that people experience. Right. Universality, baby. I am not weird for experiencing this. Right. It's just you can't stop there. You -hmm. can't just say like, well, everyone experiences it, so it's fine. I don't need to work on it. Like, (laughs) Don't do that. Exactly. But you need to be able to say it's fine. Other people experience this and get through it so I can get through it. Right. What do I need to do to do that? Right. And if it's just a matter of I have some serious issues with this person from my past, then it might just be a matter of dealing with those issues, mm-hmm. whether with that person or by yourself. Because there are some times where you're not going to be able to do that with that person.
1: That's very true.
0: I mean, either they are gone from your life or they're not receptive to it. I mean, there's there's a lot of situations where that's just not going to be applicable. Sure. So yeah, maybe that's not an option. But working on yourself is always an option if that's not enough maybe you do need to address it with that person uh hopefully you have a good enough relationship with them that you can do that i mean that's a very weird conversation to have
2: Mm -hmm. i mean (laughs) hey
0: you remind me of my dad okay i guess i have to tell this story (laughs) Uh oh i have experienced that i mean i've experienced transference quite a bit probably one very specific time was a professor in grad school really reminded me of my father.
2: Uh-huh. And
0: as you've probably caught on, I don't have a great relationship with my father. Uh, my father did some really crummy things to me and my family. Uh, I'm looking at you, mom. You know this. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I looking, I'm like connecting I eyes with mom there. like I'm telling her new <laughs> things. <laughs> But I, I mean... I'm sorry that happened. It's okay. (laughs) But but I mean, I, and I've dealt with it as much as I can, and I'm still dealing with it, but there's still stuff, you know? There's always going to be stuff. And luckily, because I was a grad student in psychology, I was aware that that's what was happening. Uh I was able to say, I even said to mom one day, like, I think I'm really doing some transference on him, Uh on our professor. So, I mean, I talked about it with you. Do you remember that? I do. I do. And we were basically like, I guess we have to talk to him about it. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) Oh, no. So after class one day, I went to him and I said, I have to talk to you about something. It's really weird, but I I just feel like I need to get it off my chest. Mm -hmm. And I said, like, some of the things you do really remind me of my father. And I think that you feel like this weird conflict that you and I have. And I need to let you know that that's why it is. And then nothing changed. Mm-hmm. Nothing happened. I, maybe I didn't handle it correctly. I don't think the professor handled it super well. Uh, so it was it, it was difficult on both fronts. I mean, on the bright side, it's not like he treated me any differently. I was going to say,
1: on the bright side, though, from an outside point of view, I have to say that I believe that professor really respected you. And in general, or because I said it? N- no, in general. Okay. I don't know how that affected him, but I I mean, I didn't feel that. He often used you as kind of like the go to person who knew what they were doing, kind of thing.
0: See, I, I have a hard, even Anna when you're saying, yeah, I have a hard that. time seeing that because of because he was, that yeah, issue. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, I addressed it with him. Like I said, nothing really changed. It's not like he did anything different, but. I felt better having addressed it. Mm -hmm. I felt better having said to him, this is what's going on. Right. And that might be the same in your life. If you have to do this with someone, Mm -hmm. they may just be like, uh, okay. I mean, they (laughs) don't know what to do. What am I going to do about it? it? Okay, what now? Sometimes you just have to say it out loud. Exactly. Sometimes you just have to address the elephant in the room. (laughs) (laughs) That's really true.
1: And I think in a in a relationship like a, a significant other relationship, we always go back to that, you know, say what you mean and communicate and yeah. put those things out there. Don't hold those things in. So. And the
0: more we communicate, the less people assume about us. Right. Like if we give them what's going on with us, the less they have to infer about us. Mm-hmm.
1: So if you're in a relationship and you're, you know, you're worried about your significant... We'll go back to that example. You're worried about your significant other cheating because that's been your life experience. And so you're treating him in a very distrustful manner or her. Right. You know, eventually they're going to start to feel that and react to that. It would be much better if you could be up front with them and say, hey... I just need you to know that I'm I'm having these feelings like you're just one of those people who's gonna cheat on me because it's been my life experience and right. I don't want to treat you that way but this is what's happening you know I think anytime in a intimate relationship anytime you can just say it just say what you just mean get it out there yeah man. because
0: lay your cards on this table
1: because even if it ends it at least it's it's an authentic end it's, right. it's honest and you're not gonna be walking around on eggshells or whatever. I mean, it's that I
0: I use this with my clients a lot, especially like I I work with younger kids and especially teenagers have this like, but they're my friends. And I always have to be like, they don't sound like good friends. Mm -hmm. And if they're going to leave you for this thing that you're worried about sharing with them or whatever, they're not worth your time. Right. And I think that kind of applies to that too. Like if the person that you're addressing this with either can't handle it because of their own stuff then that's fine then they need to do what's best for them but also if they're just not gonna attend to you in the way you need to be attended to like don't (laughs) yeah don't do it just get out because you deserve to be treated the way you need to be treated that's good thanks (laughs) (laughs) what have we not talked about i mean i think we were just gonna talk about how understanding transference helps build our self-awareness because I I think we've already kind of talked about that a lot. Yeah, I think so too. (laughs) Okay, thanks for joining us. That's our our show. Uh, No, as I was doing the research, I did read like this person was doing like a write-in thing Uh to this therapist and they said, I've been reading articles on this and I realized that I'm doing this with such and such person in my life. And the therapist basically responded to them with, yeah, good job. You're doing great. (laughs) Like, as long as you know, that's what it is. That's fine. Right. And yeah, like, like we said, as long as you know, that's what's happening, and that it's pretty common. Mm -hmm. Okay.
1: So have you have you experienced in your being a counselor? Have you experienced
0: transference that you're aware of? Um, That was
1: significant?
0: I have some kiddos who I think see me in a motherly role. Uh But I don't know if that's transference. Because it's kind of like a surrogate mom, but I think that's because
1: one of the definitions that I read was that it doesn't necessarily have to be something they have experienced. It could be something they wish they oh, had experienced. Well, then, so that yeah. could be transference too. Yeah, yeah,
0: I definitely have a kid that who can fall
1: into that role.
0: I had a kid ask if I would adopt him the other day. Yeah, yeah. So
1: that's something that's very it pulls on your heartstrings as a therapist who works with children. Yeah especially children of trauma or children who are living with difficult situations in their life that you do just want to kind of mother them and yeah yeah i actually have one client who is about the same age as your brother Mm -hmm. and kind of reminds me of your brother a little bit so i think there's there's both transference and counter-transference with that client but it's a very positive because we talked about already that it can be a positive thing in therapy because if it helps the client to trust you more sure. or to feel that they can be more vulnerable and, and know that you won't hurt them, that's a positive thing. And yeah. I think that's what I have with this young man that I know that he's close to his mother and she lives a distance away. So he kind of yeah. has that transference that I'm like, and he definitely reminds me of Gabe. So we have a, a really good rapport, you know, Yeah. That, but I also am always constantly reminded that he's nothing like Gabe. Right, you know, he's a lot right. like Gabe and he's nothing like Gabe. Yeah. So. And he's not my son. He's my client. So you have to keep kind of reminding yourself of that.
0: And it helps to, I mean, in the times, especially with my a little bit older clients that mm-hmm. this has happened with, that it helps to go, okay, let's dig through what you're feeling. And either it's a I've experienced or I wish I could experience. Let's dig through that. But also... I'm your therapist, right? I mean, like sometimes I just kind of have to remind them, like mm-hmm. I I am so glad you can be vulnerable with me, but here's the limitations.
2: Mm-hmm. I
0: mean, I had a kid that I work with a lot. She's 13. She's 14 now, but she was 13, especially when she was pushing this harder. She was like, let's let's hang out outside of therapy. Let's let's do mm-hmm. this. Let's mm-hmm. let's go. Can you take me shopping? And I'm like, no. I like I. I love you, but that's not my my, my role. That's not your role,
1: right? Exactly. In your
0: life, you uh-huh. know. So, it is kind of tricky to set those boundaries sometimes.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Transference can be good. Yeah.
1: Can also be negative. Can you
0: tell a joke or something? Feel like we, <laughs>
1: feel
0: like we're we ending this on a, on a on a dark note.
1: It's not dark at all. No. It's good. It's all about relationships, really. I mean, yes. We've talked about that a lot of times. That our humanness is all about relationships. Yeah. It's about self awareness, but it's also about our connectedness to other people. Yeah. And so we want to keep that connectedness healthy. And. Um,
0: uh. <laughs> <laughs> did you work that up? Because you I, just needed something. I felt something it coming up. Did. No, I can't burp on command.
2: <laughs> it was well, a that's really a good classy one.
1: way to end this. Thanks um, I don't for know. listening.
0: <laughs> Sorry, I burped in your ears. That was really loud. That That's was a really, really big one. a good one. So to sum it up, transference <laughs> and belching <laughs> happens to everyone. That's humanness. It's, humanness. It's being human. you're hearing humanness from <laughs> this Anna podcast. is authentic. That's for darn sure. That is true. <laughs> That's true. That is something I would that is definitely. my Authentic. gas yes. I- <laughs>
1: Jeez. <laughs> So that's that. We've done that. We're done. We're done. Mm -hmm. Mom says
0: we're done. Will you thank the people for listening?
1: I will. Thank you so much for putting up with us. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> Sipsters, we're so glad that you join us. We're so glad that you listen, And we encourage you again, if, if you would like to talk to us about something you'd like to hear, let us know because we have done a couple of episodes now that kind of in a row. Have, have been um, requests or suggestions. So if you have something you'd like for us to talk about, let us know. And we always love to hear from you. So Especially our sir.
0: new people that are listening. Yes, Hello. welcome, welcome. You can find us. On Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and social media, all of it, as Freudian Sips Pod. And our site is freudiansipspod.com. Like I said, there is a link there to our awesome merch store with our very cozy merch. Get
1: some cozy merch. And Christmas is coming. Christmas. It is time. I don't Buy know why. Buy Freudian Sips just, merch
0: for, <laughs> for all Christmas. of your friends. Merry Christmas. All of your friends. All of your family. Or
1: Hanukkah. Or give,
0: give a Christmas Quenza, sweatshirt to Nana. Whatever you celebrate. Uh, uh, yeah. Anything. Give 12, <laughs> Freudian, 12 Sips days Freudian Sips of <laughs> 12 days of sips. (laughs) We are also on uh, Patreon if you want to support the show. We are, uh, I think I mentioned in the last episode, kind of trying to rework that. That's slow. We haven't talked about that yet. We <laughs> will, but we're forty and pod on there as well. Please remember to leave us a nice rating and review wherever you're listening. Um, we have gotten some on Facebook. Thank you to the people who have done that. We have gotten some on iTunes. Thank you to the people who have done that. But wherever you you review us, if you send us a picture of it and your address, we will send you a sticker as a reward. A reward. A reward. Our theme music is "Sweeter Vermouth" by Kevin McLeod, and it sounds like this.